right, so welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Frank Lewandowski III, Frank3NP. We have a special guest today, and this is Jacked Podcast. We also have our co-host, the famous... Oh, yeah, I'm Brandon Lawrence. I wasn't invited to the to the podcast studio today, so I'm, I'm at home in my backyard. He's being a good dad, doesn't even have a mic, but he's making it work. Like, that's a man right there. Yeah, I left my mic in the studio, so that's a whole thing. It looks great right here. It looks really I good. Look really um, good prop. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> like, for some reason, front and center, not really being used, so. Yeah, I, I like I'm, I'm excited. I mean, it's all about aesthetics and, and imagery, but we have the uh, pleasure of having the great Omar here. <laughs> and me and Brandon uh, personally know him because we've worked with him uh, in an inner city ER. So we're we're have the, the greatest pleasure having him today. He actually has a the seventh baby on the way. That's right. That's correct. Number seven. So Siete. he can build a basketball team with two alternates. Yeah, he's better than most, like the Atlanta Hawks. He's better than them, basically. He could fill a whole, almost a whole <laughs> roster. So, well, I mean, you might as well get two more, and you got a baseball team. So, yeah. Yeah. it's not out of the question at this time. You know, You're we're still. <laughs> so, I wanted to, to introduce Omar as the good man segment because this show again is just a couple of dudes with a K, and we are about promoting good male role models in the community. And Omar touched me a lot because we worked in a very difficult, trying environment. You know, the inner city ER, anywhere you go in any state is going to be a, a tough environment with the population being, um, you know, they could be violent, they could be disrespectful. Um, they're very sick. That's a hard thing to see, too, is you don't see a lot of people actually get better. Um, and then there would be times where I took things, you know, very personal uh, from patients, even though they were having a bad day. But Omar was always there to calm me down. You were always there to, um, you know, kind of just make the situation a lot more appealing to everyone. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter what the patient was going through, how sick they were, how rude they were to us. Like you were always there. So I think being a good husband, a good father, baby number seven. So he's obviously got great genetics. I mean, or at least he's very <laughs> firm. I don't looks know. like Eric is uh, uh, giving you a buzz there. Um, but I do have to say uh, Omar touched me quite a bit, but that's more because we're both huggers. Yes, yes. <laughs> don't don't you think that's that's really important too? Like, you know, this whole COVID thing has been kind of hard because we're not supposed to, you know, have have the physical touch. But when you're with the patients too, right. even like it's important to hold their hand. And like when you're doing an IV and they're very, you know, timid or scared, like you can, you know, give them a light touch in a way that kind of just like lowers their stress, you know, threshold. Well, I'm a a major believer in um, just medicine, and it doesn't have to be pharmaceutical. The the human factor, um, just seeing how people would interact. A lot of my role models come from the people that I look up to. And uh, being in the hospital, what you guys saw was the first time I've ever worked in the medical field. Ever? Ever. Oh, wow. And before the medical field, I was in sales and marketing and uh, the food industry. I never had the opportunity to look up to people who are taking care of sick people and making their, giving them, uh, you know, a, a very sad outcome or telling them, hey, you just had an asthma attack, you're going to be fine. And they go home probably for the next year without a, you know, with the placebo effect, you've seen it work. Oh, yeah. When a doctor tells you, hey, I went to school for over a decade to tell you you're going to be okay. Um, that person takes that and they go home and they're most of the time they don't have any problems. And mm -hmm. I could, my wife, I'll give you a, a really cool story of how I met my wife. Um, I, I went through uh, about 
a year coming back from pre-med. I went and did my pre-med. And uh, when I was done with that, I came home to visit my kids. And then um, I got gastroparesis. That's what they'd said it was. And then it bothered me so much because nothing would come out. Like when when you're talking GI, you're thinking something nasty is coming out of you. And it was just pain. It was painful. I couldn't eat anything. Um, I was reduced down to 175 pounds. How much do you weigh now? I'm about, I fluctuate from 225 to 240. Yeah, so for just the podcast listeners, if you imagine Omar as a brick shithouse, you're correct. Yeah. Yeah, 6'3", <laughs> really 6'4", let's be real. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's I was frail. I had no energy. Um, I looked like I was strung out on something and, and, and I wasn't. I couldn't, I couldn't ingest anything, just boiled rice with no salt or anything. I just, all I could barely eat because anything that I would eat, it would hurt. It was just mm-hmm. painful. And I would be like in a fetal position, like trying to put, push the pain away, if you will. And um, eventually my sister moved from California to come live with me. And um, I owe a lot to her. Shout out to baby sis. She um, came and said, look, next time you get sick, I'm going to take you to the world famous uh, hospital that we have here in the Valley. We'll take you over there. And then um, I met my wife there. She was my nurse. Oh, man, what a and, what a sweet guy, right? He's like on his deathbed, not feeling good, but he's still good looking enough to, to you know, settle down with the nurse. Like, what a good guy. Well, you know, when you got that in you, man, you know, you know that charm don't go away. No, it doesn't matter. And if you see something that you like, you don't, you don't yeah. really be cool. You got to say something. You got to speak up. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, I went and through that year, I saw a GI specialist. I got scoped in every orifice you can think of, uh, back door, yeah, front door, yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, if you haven't had one, uh, it's your, it'll, it'll catch up to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the medicine didn't work. The, the specialist didn't work. In fact, I left the GI specialist because he was so uh, consumed with the fact that I didn't mention his last name. I just said, doctor. And he had to correct me what his name was. And I, and I just walked out of that place. And I said, you know what? I'm done with this. And I had no patience anyway. But when I met her, she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, I don't care what they're saying to you. I'm just going to make you feel better. How about, how about that? And after meeting this woman, and eventually, obviously, we're married and we've got a beautiful family together, um, which is the measure of our success when it comes, to, when it comes down to it. Um, she, I haven't felt that pain yet. It's gone since I met her, just being interacted wow. with that type of a person, that type of compassion and the type of love that she can give her patients at the time I was her patient with her, just her, her aura, her presence. Uh, I learned a lot from that. And I took that to the ER working with you fellas. Yeah. I mean, it was very apparent. You love working with her too, man. She's fun to work with. She's awesome. Yeah. She's a, she's a lot of fun. And I think, I think when you bring up that with your wife and having the great patient care and actually really having that empathy and care, um, that translates into her personal life. You know, it's not like she shuts it on and off. That's just, that's just who she is. That's just who she is. You know, and like, so do you, what do you think was it that healed it? It was just. Well, there's obviously um, something there, you know, there, there's a, there's ancient medicine that they use that doesn't involve anything, ingesting anything. There's there's different things that you can do. I believe um, Eastern medicine really has that kind of covered. If you look into it, there are a million, there, not all of them will work for you. And some of them sound kind of outrageous, but I think that there's, I, I'm a true believer that 
just putting something in your mouth doesn't do the trick. I mean, we could take your segment on uh, multivitamins and mm -hmm. um, supplements. Yeah, you can go buy the fancy stuff or you can just order it from Amazon. At the end of the day, that's not going to solve your problem. You have to stop eating for five, six meals in between your regular meals. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to put the you know, got to put the beer down. You don't have to have six. You could, you could have one and be okay yeah, with that. Moderate, so moderate. we can't solve that problem for anybody. Well, gastroparesis is really difficult to treat. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to see. Were you undergoing like a lot of stress or like smoking marijuana or like things that would normally cause that sort of stuff at the time? So well, obviously I, you're not diabetic. Right. So um, I did smoke marijuana for a long time, but when I was in pre-med for that uh, time period, I didn't smoke. I didn't do anything. So, um, I did have stress though, just going through a divorce with my first two. And that was a, that was definitely a stressful thing. So there, there were, um, uh, factors that can, can, that were contributing to my stress. And I do believe that that ultimately had something to do with it. I just can't imagine you like knocked down to the, to the level of having to go to the, the hospital. I just can't pick, cause you're like, just kind of this guy that's always full of life and happy. And it's just, it's just, I can't picture you laying in a hospital bed with your wife presumably putting a foley in because that's why she fell in love with you, right? <laughs> yeah, she had to get those eyes, eyes and outs, you know, that intake output. She had to, she had to make well, sure that was okay. You'll have to ask her about that. You know, I'm not, I'm not one to tell. <laughs> I don't kiss and tell. Is that what Honey, um, you're going to be watching this, so that's going to uh, be your segment. <laughs> isn't it interesting? So you look at Omar and everyone's gone through something multiple times in their life. And it's not what you go through, it's how you overcome it. You know, I think I believe that. And I mean, that, that was a trying time and you lose 50 pounds. I mean, your emotions are gonna be down, your mood. I mean, nothing's good when you don't have the nutrition, you're not living a good life, you're high stress. Like you're not your best version, but you were still able to meet the love of your life right. and still produce some productive, happy things. Like, I think that's such a cool, cool story. Yeah, I, I tell everybody the story because I want people to understand that you're not gonna find love when you, or a family or whatever you're, or money, whatever you're doing, you're not gonna do it unless you really put your guard down. There's lessons in your pain. You have to, you have to let your guard down. You have, to, you have to feel a loss for you to understand what a gain is. So there's, there's no way that you can just protect yourself just by calculating every, every move and eliminating uh, the risk of a loss. You have to go for it and you have to, you have to take an L so that yeah. you can win. I think, I think Omar has the talent and Brandon would agree of like, you know, that was a tough environment to work in and you counted on people to be there to uplift the mood, yeah. you know, and like no matter what, we could be cleaning up someone full of poop, literally <laughs> head to toe full of poop. And for some reason, I was still smiling. And this is back when we didn't really wear masks. You just kind of manned up, you know, it was kind of a pride thing. You'd be like, you know what? Just get used to it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Let's just do it. Some people would, you know, get all crazy. I'm like, no, just, just clean this thing. But um, you need people like you in the world. You know, you need people that can uplift and pr produce the environment, especially now during a trying time, you know. I, I appreciate that so much and, and more so now today than, than, than ever, just because of role models. Like, you know, you're, you're a little bit younger than me. Brandon is like a little bit older than me, um, not by much, but we're just kind of uh, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> we we all age a little differently, but <laughs> significantly worse than the rest. <laughs> but I mean, really, uh, honestly, it's the the you guys taught me a lot. Just how um, sick people and just during a, a resuscitation, it's like 
I've seen people go in there and they, and I've seen a plethora of just different um, projections of your feelings. Some people are in there laughing, dancing. Some people are just calm, collected, and some people don't care about what's going on. And, and then I saw a lot of compassion from you gentlemen. I saw a lot of compassion and other, the other people, the, the beautiful people we were able to work with, and you guys know all of them. Um, it's just amazing because myself, I could have never, I could never be around blood. I, I get sinkable. I'm one of those that basal vagal. If the yeah. needle's coming <laughs> towards me, I'm like, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. So Christina has to tree. drop me off. You're she a big tree. Oh yeah. Like, you know, you're like watching like that that massive tree that's gonna wipe down a house. Like, <laughs> oh my god. So I, I like to put myself in that position, and I kind of take pieces of from what I see how you guys were handling a situation, and then I kind of ran with it. I just realized that these are people, and I what I just went through. I know that the medicine is not always going to help them, but, and I can't give them anything as a tech in the ER, mm -hmm. but, I, but what I could do is uh, emulate what I saw from you guys and just kind of let people know, Hey, it's going to be all right. Whatever, whatever you got is irrelevant to my interaction with you here today. I'm going to make you comfortable. I'll tuck you in. I'll hold your hand. You know, and it's not just that you, you were like disarmingly funny too, with, with patients too. Like they smiled a lot. It wasn't just comfort. Like you, you, cause laughter is a medicine, right? If you're yeah. talking about Eastern medicine, if you're talking about natural, you know, natural stuff, like you, you just have this natural knack of, of bringing levity to a situation, whether it's, you know, making fun of something I just did or, you know, telling a joke to a patient. Like it just was, it was very nice to see. And, you know, big shout out to the, the old regime or the old, um, uh, the central group pre this current regime that's there right. so like that was a lot of fun to work there then absolutely what a beautiful time i mean it made life lifelong friendships and connections at that time and just yeah. a beautiful experience that whole thing and nothing lasts forever and that's a testament to it because it was such a beautiful period of probably like a year or two where it was just great energy great people there and we did have a lot of fun I think we, we try to be a big advocate for medical providers and medical staff in the community. And that's been a big push with the podcast. It's not our main thing, but it's where we work and where we've been. And I think what people need to realize is how many medical like warriors and loving, caring people there are. Like 90% of medical people really wanna make a difference. They really care. You know, they may be burnout. They may have three jobs because for some reason in medicine, people take on a lot. You know, you get the single mom that has three jobs. You know, they're working two shifts in a row. They have, you know, five kids at home. I'm talking about one specifically in my head. Mm -hmm. And she always like brought, you know, a good attitude. You know, these are the type of people you see in this community. Then you're also shouldering these people's pain. You know, so I, I just think it's, it's really uplifted me in my life is seeing that, you know, it's, it's better than Grey's Anatomy. It is. You know, it it's, is. it's better than House. I it mean, is. House is pretty cool. But uh, I would <laughs> <laughs> house is pretty cool, right? I would but house. That's, I would rather. Have I can't imagine that pill though. It's like seven doctors, one patient. Like you better be like a Saudi Arabian prince. Different procedures, yeah. Yeah. The intensivist is dropping an IV in. Yeah. It took like it took like two months to figure it out. I'm like, wow, that was a ten million dollar bill. But um, I don't know, man. I just think we have to advocate because I think the medical community doesn't have a lot about you know like this COVID thing was really tough on us, and there's a lot of medical personnel that took this. I mean, we have to kind of shoulder it, mm -hmm. you know, and it's good to, to know that there's so many people that still go into this caring and trying to help people. 
Like that's why most people go in this field. Almost all. all. That's another interesting point. I mean, you're you're on a roll because uh, this COVID thing. One thing positive that I can take away from it, and I'm sure you guys see it too. It really weeded out the people who don't belong in that emergency medical medical field, especially where we were at. It, it just kind of took them out. You could see that that all it took. Well, you know, everybody has that point where you're like, all it's going to take is one real test, and they're going to be topped over, and there's there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. And this COVID thing was the the mother load of that it's like hey you don't belong here and this is a great time because lately i mean I, I got it got to the point you guys didn't see me working that very happy go lucky version of omar kind of kind of dissipated the more we got corona and the people who are made it a political thing and it got to the point where i would go tap somebody in the shoulder in a room and pull them out and say you got to go home man i don't care who the boss is you don't belong in the medical field and the what and the what you're projecting on these people they don't deserve it so you can earn a paycheck working as a uh, nurse or a doctor anywhere, but you don't belong taking care of these people here today. And I saw that more and more. I had more of these conversations with people. And I, I would also say at that hospital, uh, stress levels were probably particularly heightened because A, it's a difficult patient population to care for, but you guys were just severely, severely understaffed when things hit shit hit the fan. Like yeah. right in the peak of it, I would see, because you know I'm at now the sister hospital, so... I could still see your guys' board all the time, and I'd check, and I'd be like, oh, like, yeah. I just felt for you guys. There's, like, you know, 40 in the waiting room, and no rooms to put anybody. Your guys were boarding, like, 30 yeah. admitted, admitted COVID patients in the ER, and no plans to do anything else. So My goodness. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's been reduced to um, providers. We used to have a squad, and now it's like, okay, so let me know. Oh, it's just you. And like not even the PA, just one uh, ER doctor and like where they had a couple PAs, like they would trickle up, trickle in throughout the day. You know, obviously they're trying to pinch their pennies, but it's, it wasn't, it didn't look safe. It looked really scary and uh, agree um, there, you know, it's just, it's and the nurses too. It was all, all the way down to the nurses. And we had three techs working at one point, one in the front, two in the back. It, it got down through the hardest time of COVID where, there was only one tech. There were only the they were only scheduling one tech. Oh my god! And there would only they would only have like one or two providers, and they trickle them in, and and it started to look, feel really scary. And then um, that had a lot a lot to do with my stress levels because I would go from room to room because I know everybody's like gowned up and they're in other places. And I'm like, there's some really sick people here. Yeah. Like people are gonna die if you don't go check on them. And, and, mm -hmm. and sure enough, there was a lot, of, a lot of rooms I'd go in. I'm like, oh my God, their, their pressures are very, very low mm -hmm. and they're not hooked up to anything. They have no access. And this person will probably need a central because they don't have any other, any other options. So, and that was a common thing. I'd see that and I would just panic. Oh my God, how long they've been here? So that yeah, was really scary. I wanna comment, that's not, um like a one-off right this is probably happening everywhere and i think that just kind of shows it's a major systemic problem where a company owns a hospital and they're trying to pull profit from the er pull profit from different parts of the hospital it's just not how things should run because in er we don't know what to expect every day and when we're understaffed it leads to very very stressful um days weeks you know because you can't all of a sudden upstaff the next day you know, it's, you got to plan ahead for people's schedules and that's just leads to a lot of problems. Healthcare is so hard because it's not selling TVs at Best Buy. You know, it's becoming so much business oriented, but it's not really like, you know, there's still life on the line, literally. 
and it becomes so much of a business that it's like, no, th these are people. So when people were so, um, you know, anti-COVID or saying COVID's fake, I'm like, just let's just walk through the ICU and let's just go look at these people suffocate, basically. Like, let's just go watch this and then you tell me it's fake. Yeah. Like, is, was it overblown in certain instances? For sure. But is it, it's not fake either. It's not over here. It's not over here. That's a problem. And okay. it's not, how does it become political when there's a ton of life? You know, I know a nurse that lost, yeah. I think she lost a mom. She lost an uncle. I think she might've lost someone else. And I'm just like, so when you say it's fake, you're taken away from the pain she has. Right. You know, it doesn't matter if they have diabetes, they're elderly. I mean, we know some things that say, hey, they have a higher risk of adverse, you know, outcomes. But it's just sad, man, because like, just because someone works, you know, works at Home Depot doesn't see COVID ever, you know, doesn't mean you have the right to say it's fake. Right. <laughs> you know, like that, that's the thing that angers me, you know, that that's hard. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like um, Facebook is just atrocious these days. You see people just a, a clear line between people who believe in Santa Claus and people who don't. <laughs> it's like wow yeah it's and 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 these people are people that grew up together they have 30 40 years of life experience and they're throwing it all away because of these issues and um the lack of their like you said i haven't I haven't seen it i work at home depot yeah. so it's not that real but come to where we work and you're like yeah. um yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's not as it, it's not exactly it's not like you said there's a balance obviously in some places got hit worse than others yeah what were you, uh, Omar, what were you talking about, I meant to ask earlier, um, when you're talking about how in the ER there's people that you said like kind of didn't deserve to be there, you had to like pull them out, like what, what did that, what were they doing? So there, there would be people that um, uh, would have a, a there's assignment full of uh, patients, you know, patients are there, you, you get people come in and people who don't know or were listening or watching. When you get assigned patients, you have your 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 rooms. Those are your rooms. Or physicians, they have their own structure of who they see. But when you got your rooms, those are your responsibility. So as soon as your patient leaves, expect that that empty room is going to have another one. So you should be ready to receive the other one and get things rolling, start delivering the care. I would see um, nurses, techs, even doctors, um, and I've gotten. Uh, out of my comfort zone to even tap doctors, new ones out and say, listen, how you're talking to them is not appropriate. These people, you need to have some compassion. Remember why you got into this and nurses and, and text, text during codes with like headphones on dancing while somebody's giving their last breath away. Really? I've grabbed them and pulled them uh -huh. out and said, you don't belong working here. You need uh -huh. to leave. That's, and things like that, that I tough. just find that you can't lose your character. I always, I always like to remind myself that no matter how tough it gets, you got to stay down. You got to keep 10 toes down and be yourself. You can't lose that. Otherwise, don't come in. If I'm having a bad day, I'm not going to go to the to the hospital. I won't. I will stay home. And that's not often. But when I do have, if I ever have a bad day, if it comes, then I won't go in, go into the world and come on a podcast and talk to my buddies. It's just, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a big difference between kind of levity and joking in some situations and, and kind of the disrespect to life in others. Yeah, because that, that's a lasting impression. You know, the, the co, when someone's dying and you know they're dying, but a big thing now is, is involving the family, mm -hmm. right? And letting them say goodbye. And you, we all know that they're, they're not going to make it, right? We're just, we're just literally uh, 
continuing the care really for the family and to show that we're doing everything we can and to have like apathy and, and disrespect during that time, I can't imagine, you know, cause we have to be professional. We have to be, I don't know, we have to be there, you know, and like people remember that forever. Right. You know? And we also, we, we obviously, like you just mentioned, people have different ways to, they, they deal with that the, on the, you know, the healthcare provider side, like we, people deal with it differently. Some people, you know, they have their own little ticks, but disrespect is very blatant and it's very obvious. Mm -hmm. And now when I see it and when I'm in a position to where I've been in the hospital long enough to now, I'm comfortable how the system works and I know what's right and wrong. I've learned every. There's a, a a short story I posted a while back. It's like everything you need to know you've learned in the in kindergarten. You know, just be nice to people. Don't yeah. be a jerk. You know, and it, share your crayons. Share your crayons, man. Share your crayons. Share, All sixty-four. Share like, your whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Something else I wanted to transition to because I want to go just in healthcare, but yeah. Um, me and Omar would have sauna sessions. Some of the best conversations <laughs> ever, man. It makes those 20 minutes in the sauna go away so fast because we have these really good kindred spirit conversations. And something he brought up one time hit me hard was he's like, men need to step up. And that's a big thing on this podcast. And you were saying that, like, I was like, hey, my best friend, he's getting married. He's making it happen. Like, he's like, I'm doing it. This is my wife. Like, where did that come from, Omar? Wow. Um, so for me, it's like, um, I've always wanted a family, a big family, more than anything else, more than cars, money, bank account. I've, I've always wanted a large family and I wanted to be successful at that. Um, come being a, as a family of, we're, we're the Quakers of the Samads. We're the first generation here in America. We came oh, okay. From, we I don't came know what from, Quaker means. I'm, yeah. I know it's a video game, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is Quaker <laughs> mean? Yeah, so, yeah, 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 exactly. It's a video game. But <laughs> we're, the, we're the first people from my, my people from Afghanistan that came to America. And we came from, we're refugees. I was born in between Afghanistan and Pakistan and, and uh, you know, somewhere. My mom gave birth to me in the middle of the mountains by herself. Mm -hmm. And uh, just being that, I always wanted to establish, okay, we're gonna start from here. I wanna start and, um, you know, have a lot of samads. <laughs> Build a tribe. Build a yeah, tribe. I wanted to start, doing. I wanted to start off the right way and, um, Meeting a lot of women um, has a lot to do with that. I wanted to go through, a, like, find the right person. And when you're finding the right person, I went through, I didn't have a lot of advice coming from, because somebody who's grow, grown up in, a, in America and in the Western world, uh, they have people and relatives and family who's been in the system and understand how the culture works. Mm -hmm and meeting somebody, how to date somebody. There was no dating in Afghanistan. Well, it's just such a cultural shift, right? Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't imagine. Um, I just think it's so interesting. We were talking about this before the podcast. Like, I mean, so when did you come here? So I uh, came here uh, 1984. Wow. Yeah, I was a baby. You were a baby. I was a baby, yeah. So who, who brought, did your mom bring you over? So my mom and dad, they okay. escaped um, during the Civil War in Afghanistan. So after after they got out, they found somebody. Uh, my dad was working for the airlines at that time, for Ariana Airlines. It was a very, uh, Afghanistan had a very established um, uh, government and they had, uh, as far as like the flight, in the medicine, 80s. everything in the 80s, 70s, they had a very different um, uh, culture 
from what you see today. They had women and men, they had co-ed universities. The women used to wear skirts and have their hairs beautiful. And um, Afghanistan has a very beautiful culture. What we see today is definitely not uh, the true Afghanistan that, that people um, you know, they, they can look back in history. What, what were they like? They were a lot like we were, we are today, or uh, and a lot less like, you know, the co- uh, women are very covered, sheltered, yeah. men are uh, the tribal wars and stuff. That's all very, that's a more recent thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I think uh, I took a world religion class, uh, University of Phoenix, and this old army colonel taught it. And I was just, I was just naive. I was completely ignorant. So um, I was raised Catholic and I'm more spiritual now, I guess I'd say, Uh, but I just didn't know. Like I didn't know what Judaism was, Islam, Christianity. I think it's good to learn other cultures, other religions, other ethnicities, so we know where people are coming from. You know, like I didn't know uh, in Islam, Allah meant God. Just something very simple. (laughs) I'm like, like, wow. So so Allah um, actually, so that's a a great point again. so p- people say, why don't you just say God? Because Allah means more than just God. It means the worshipped one. And it also uh, has 99 um, characteristics of that name. So mm-hmm. he's the most beneficent, the most merciful, you know, the most forgiving, uh, the most just. All these are the names of God. So you can't just saying God is kind of like saying bro versus oh, saying FL3. It's yeah. very distinct. I know who you are. But it's like uh, what Yahweh for Judaism, right? Right, right. Yahweh, or uh, in Hebrew, it would be uh, Elohim. Elohim, yeah. Or whatever. So yeah, I mean, that's where Allah is, and, and Allah is. Uh, it really just describes um, our our Creator, our Sustainer, the one who is responsible for um, all creation. Yeah. Hmm. Because this is how I look at it, right? I want to get to know people, and I always want to grow and learn. Because a lot of it's just what you're taught and what environment you're in. You know, if you're raised in a very strong Catholic family, you're probably going to be more Catholic, right? If you're if you're raised in Afghanistan, you're probably not going to be Christian, I would guess. Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends. A lot of it is the environment you're in. You have to understand where people come from. That's related to politics and a ton of beliefs. You know, if you're raised in a Democrat household, you're probably going to be more democratic and it's like just to have that empathy and go well what are your views you know because omar being this loving guy that is consistently happy leading an amazing life i'm like what can i do to emulate more like omar (laughs) like that's how i look at it i'm like the basic fact of mirroring and that's what made me so interested because i want to know what happy people do you know and a lot of it for you i think is 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 what you believe i think that's a lot um, so you, that, you know, when you, when you look at somebody, you don't know what they've been through, right? Never. And you only see where they, where they are right now. Mm-hmm. So you've only known Omar for the time period you've known me, but, um, I've had a lot of dark times in my life mm-hmm. and I did being, uh, growing up in a household that is Muslim, mm-hmm. we are also refugees. So we were taught to, when you come to a new, to the, to America to kind of suppress that who you are, who we are, oh. so that we can uh, fully uh, become westernized, so that we can fit in and More assimilate. Successful, less <laughs> issues. Yeah, we yeah. would let less conflict, so that my at home we wanted to, or my parents wanted to learn English quicker. So mm. we were, you know, it, it was a very hard time for us because we 
knew who we were. We were taught to be one way, but then we were taught to kind of suppress that going out in the world so that we can fit in and not, and have less um, conflict, um, if you will. So, you know, that's, that's part of it. And uh, I actually kind of left believing in Islam for a very long time. Really? I left it and, I, and then I had to search for happiness and try to find out my identity. What, what does this all mean? Am I just Muslim because I was born Muslim? So why am I? And I questioned a lot of things and I sought for, I, I looked for answers and I found them. I found answers through learning everything about Jesus, learning everything about um, Hinduism and learning everything about all spiritual. I, I dove into religion a lot and I and I, I spent a month with Mormon missionaries. I went to their church with really? them. I sat in the in the men's uh, learning center, and we, and we had a a lot of great conversations. A lot of tears shed, and at the end of it, what brought me to where I am today and brought me peace was um, I was sitting. It was during Ramadan, and the, and the missionaries were coming to my house. Um, shout out to all those Mormon missionaries, man. They got a hard job out there. Oh, it's <laughs> uh, G-O-D, they're, man. They're very disciplined. Yeah. We, broke, we broke bread uh, for a whole month during Ramadan at the end of the day. And if you don't know, you're fasting, you're not drinking, not eating throughout the day. So you're very tired at the end of the day. You don't have a lot of energy to talk. But we were talking about a beautiful thing. And uh, they were, they were, I let them uh, preach the gospel to me and tell me their stories and read their books, books to me. And at the end of it, I told them that the, the only way I'll do this at the end is that if we can read something of, from mine too, and I can share it with you. And being somebody who's who's jumped into a lot of religion and and pulled out stuff that's meaningful, I flipped it on them and I read, um, you know, excerpts from the you know Hinduism and uh, you know the Quran especially. I read it read it to them and they, and they couldn't tell me where it was from. They couldn't tell me where is this from. And I told them, what if I told you that being Muslim really means, the word literally means one who is submitting, one who submits. And Islam is a submission to, also is a two-part word. It's, it's submission to, which indicates submitting to God, and also means peace, a peaceful submission to your creator. That's what Islam. And then he'd ask me, so you're telling me that if I'm sub I submit to God, myself, since I'm a Christian or Mormon or whatever I am, uh, then if I spoke Arabic, I would call myself Muslim. I was like, correct. I said, Islam is not a new religion. And, um, you know, these are not new concepts. These have been for a long time. The separation has come, has been more of a cultural and a, and a, and a different, it's a whole different uh, podcast. We can go into yeah. that one. But really, mm -hmm. it's, we're all the, we're all the same. The comparisons and the similarities are uh, there's a lot more of that than the very minute differences that that's what blew me away so i did world religion and i probably had a little islamophobia just because i didn't know i was just ignorant i just didn't know all i knew was 9 11 you know i grew up here in phoenix there wasn't a lot of islamic stuff that i that i was aware of and the guy that was teaching the class was talking more about his old army colonel and he was biased as hell right. and he was talking about how islam is spreading all this stuff and i go okay and then, but what i clung to was everything was so similar like the main three religions were so similar i go i go literally i believe my life like that bumper sticker on the back of a car that says coexist right it, it's the best bumper sticker i've ever seen other than you know the dogs or star wars and a family but the coexist sign i truly believe that you know like it's it was it was baffling to me that all we focus on are these subtle differences 
and it really doesn't matter when the main things like a lot of people believe are you know similar right and that just yeah blew me away a huge uh, a, a big thing and, and I'll, we'll give brandon a chance to talk and hear what he thinks about this <laughs> but a huge a great thing that brought me closer to a lot of my Christian brothers and sisters of, of like the, if you will, if this was sales, the biggest selling point was that Muslims, this is a fun fact, the fun fact of the day, guys. Yeah. Um, Islam is the only religion in the world that not only believes in Jesus, but believes in his miraculous conception and who are also awaiting for his return. Oh, well, that's... It's that's the only religion. And not a lot of people that when I talk to as my Christian brothers and sisters, I'm like, look, there's no difference between us. There's only a few storyline changes. And to be honest with you, I don't know anybody that was there that day. So I, <laughs> I don't really... <laughs> yeah, I know. That's like, that is hard to... Half right? of what you yeah. see and none of what you hear, Dale, type of yeah. thing. You don't believe it. But if you're going to come down to it, I'm like, we're also waiting for Jesus. Yeah. So, and that blew them away. Well, and Jews are as well, because they don't think Jesus was necessary. Jesus, they're still waiting for the Messiah as well. Everyone's waiting for this Messiah, right? So every, everything is very similar. And like you said, it's all nuanced. And it was all things that changed over centuries. And chances are things all came from the same source, right? Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's... it's just crazy that there's literally wars over this. Like, So my uh, stepdad is an Iraqi refugee. Um, so he actually was an Iraqi Christian though. So he was, oh, his family was heavily persecuted. Oh, yeah. And, um, he unfortunately has a pretty big bias against kind of Islam Muslim faith because of the bias that he had or the persecution that he had while there. Mm-hmm. And it's, right. it's interesting that someone that you probably would pigeonhole or stereotype as, oh, that guy's probably maybe Muslim, you know, just talking to him and he actually has a lot of bias against it. So it's religion kind of right my dad also has the same viewpoint because he grew up uh, in afghanistan he was forced into military and uh, and they would beat him to learn a lot of my arab friends too who grew up in like saudi arabia they beat religion into them and that's not literally it's literally Literally. they would they'd stand them up and they would lash them if they would get something incorrect and they'd make them memorize uh just out of like pure fear so when they usually when people leave that type of a situation, it's like, I guess that's, that. <laughs> that's, that's uh, teaching submission in a different way. huh? It yeah. is. It is. And that's incorrect. Totally yeah. incorrect. And that's not and that's the problem I had. And I was like, look, this this can't be what they're what, what, what I'm seeing out there. I also had a bias as well because I grew up in America. I saw that I was in New York when the when the towers went down. Oh, wow. How did that affect you? Oh, my God. First of all, I was I was hurt that. They were saying somebody that looked like me did oh, it yeah. growing up as a Muslim. I'm like, is this what Islam teaches? I'm like, and I was in middle school. It's like, this is not right. Yeah. And then that, that, that probably had a lot to do with my diving into. I have to read this front to back. I need to know where does it say that that's okay. And it's not. There's a beautiful um, uh, saying in the, in the Quran, which is our, the, the Quran, if you guys don't know, it's actually, it's not a, a book kind of like the Bible. It's not a lot of uh, gospel written by, uh, you know, people that were around Jesus. Peace be upon them. The Quran is actually words. Um, this is their, uh, their, their explanation. It's words from God himself spoken to man. Mm-hmm. So those are not made. None of, none of the Quran are actually words or literature 
uh, from a man. That's what they're saying. That's the, that's their belief. So um, the uh, growing up, I said, look, I got to read this. I need to know where does it say. And I found something very beautiful in there. It says, if you take one life, it's as if it's the 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 sin load, if you will. It's it's as if you took the life of all humanity. That's how bad it is. And if you save one life, it's as if you saved the world. So that's how beautiful and and important life is. It's like, if you take somebody's life on the day of reckoning or judgment day, they're going to count every life in the world that has ever died. If you've taken somebody wrongfully, and if you've had the compassion and love to save somebody, um, it's as if you've, you've taken care and you've saved the entire world. That's the kind of love God's going to give you. That's what they're, that's what I saw in the book. And I'm like, so that can't be true. And that's why I wanted to know more about it. Right. And which is interesting and sad because I think some of the stuff that um, the radicals, right. And are taught, or at least what it's projected to us is that they're taught is that if they kill white Christians, that they get a special place in whatever their afterlife is. I don't know. Right, so 40, 40 virgins, and you get a straight ticket all the way up. Dude, you can skip the line and go right up top. Yeah, it's and I and I haven't saw I haven't seen that anywhere in there in that context at yeah. all. Probably the equivalent of watching Breitbart for your news. <laughs> <laughs> Great show. <laughs> yeah, that is However, that is interesting because yeah. like when anything is new, you know, people are kind of leery. You know, but like, let's use, try to be objective. You know, Bill Maher, I actually like him sometimes. He's pretty funny, but he had this thing saying that, you know, Christianity went through the crusades. Like that was a bad period. You know, you're forcing religion through violence and through force, you know, and then you have sex of certain types of religion that are like in the Islam community, like the jihad or whatever, that's, that gives a bad name because there's, it's the biggest religion in the world. So to say there's so many radicalized, well, it's really a really small portion right. and it's in certain areas of the world, you know? So it's hard when you see one bad thing happen and then you blame the whole community. So, yeah, it's yeah. the equivalent of saying all Americans are white supremacists, right? Yeah, you just, you just can't say right. that. Or right. even now you still have Christian violence, you know, in certain areas. And it's like, well, you can't put that one person and then put them in that category. It's not fair. like. You probably dealt with some Islamophobia, probably. I did. Right? I did. I got. I grew up with a lot of uh, Islamophobia and actual in New uh, York. In New York, in school as a student from oh. from administration, you know, I I, I have uh, stories that um, I, I wouldn't tell my time. kids. I wouldn't tell my kids just because of what 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 I went through. I was isolated. I was, uh, you know, I was I was abused physically. I got I got I got abused by administrator. They 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 locked the door on me. In middle school, this is a story I haven't told many people, but I was in middle school, just like every other, you know, middle school, not trying to figure out life, adolescent. They're not the nicest kids in the world, you know. They 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 act up, mm-hmm. but it never justified what they did. You know, I I, got, I came into school late one day and I went to the bathroom, and uh, the vice principal locked the door and he decided that he's gonna take out his aggression on me, so. And, and, and going through that, it just made me like, again, it had to do with, okay, why does he hate me? Why does it, is it because I'm Muslim? And then what is, what is being Muslim in America? Everything that I learned was the same stuff you learned. I didn't learn anything different at home. I saw the news, Muhammad Ali, he's a fighter. You know, wh- whenever you see Islam, you see people who are standing up and resisting. And I'm like, this can't be true. Fast forward to recent years, I was in Turkey and I, and I, w- I was around some Sufi Muslims sects right 
Yeah, because um, there's so many different. Oh my right? God! Like these, that's sorry. It's not. These people are dancing and they're constantly worshiping and they're singing and chanting so much that there's their whole purpose in being is to be peaceful. They, it didn't matter what you said to them. They would find a way to bring that closer. They would, they would make you closer with everything you say. They would bring you closer and closer and calm. And I'm like, man, what, what, what we're learning, it's unfortunate because they're, um, we're taught to be separate. And we're taught to um, have different groups. Those are the preppies. Those are the jocks. You know, these are the goths. You know, those are the nerds. So we're, we're always taught to be, we're, we're bred from a young age here to uh, see the differences in people, recognize them. Um, I think that- That makes that, it hard for kids. It, it does. Because bullying is, is real. Anytime you stand out, you know, I've had a lot of people talk to me recently about being overweight. They got bullied just for being overweight. People that got bullied for, you know, different religions or the way you dress. You know, like I'm a big advocate for wearing the same uniform because it just takes away from maybe the kid that can't afford right. the newer clothes. They can't afford the cool stuff. And it, it's a tough environment, man. Kids are brutal. We have more commonalities, just like we mentioned before. It's like, you know, if we focus on the things we have in common, there would be less of, you know, the, the, the fighting and the wars that are going on in the world. And um, that, that's unfortunate because we do have a lot more in common. I don't know. I didn't know Brandon years ago, but we drink the same stuff. We probably listen to the same music. We like the same things. You know what I mean? It's, You're both girl dads. Yeah. I mean, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple more here. Yeah, but. I know. Yeah. It's, that's <laughs> the Rolex of family. Yeah. I just is. got this cool uh, this bracelet for my birthday. It just got in the mail, but it's got a ring for every, and their name written on every single one of them. So three, six, I got seven. So it reminds me. <laughs> so something else uh, we talked about too was how he defines success. So Omar defines success, you know, a big part of it or the main part is family. You know, like you, we talked about this, it's not the money you make, it's not the career you make. Cause you do have people like Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain, you know, people that are considered very successful in today's world with money and fame that ended up taking their own life. And it's like, well, I think we're, we need to prioritize the right things. You know, like maybe Omar, maybe you're a multimillionaire someday. I don't know. Maybe you are now. I don't know. But I'm saying, like, at the end of the day, is that Omar is happy for a reason. And we can talk about what Omar is up to right now, too. Maybe he will be a future millionaire. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm involved in cryptocurrency. Uh, a friend of mine, Sammy, really, um, he's very disruptive in his, uh, his ideas when he comes up with something. Sammy, um, he, he introduced me to some cryptocurrency. You might have heard of Bitcoin. Well, I think who hasn't heard of Bitcoin? The thing is like when to buy, when to buy, when, when to, to buy. buy. And and basic, that's but. the biggest thing. My dad said he threw $500 towards Bitcoin because his brother told him to it and it's down to like 200. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have even bought 500. I, I first want, I want to know where are we in the timeline? Is it about to go live? Does, do people know about it? Like what's this tied into? Long story short, I'm in the, uh, in the, in the mining of, of tokens that of a newer a different cryptocurrency not bitcoin not bitcoin yeah it's a different it's block x it's a different one um and the mining the machines that mine so picture this uh you're going out this in order to get gold you can either exchange i can give you my phone and you can give me gold probably like a small little nug of gold 
um, for an iPhone, probably like a thousand bucks. So I'll get like a little bit of gold, right? Mm -hmm. Or I can exchange my cash and go take it to somebody who has gold and I can get gold for that. Or I can go mine it out in some, you know, here's a pickaxe and a shovel and go find gold. So those are the only ways we can get gold. Same thing kind of goes with Bitcoin, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. You can go exchange for it or you can go mine it. So I'm in the mining of, of uh, <laughs> and this is relatively new. I think that, like Bitcoin was probably the first. Was it the first? Yeah, movie? Bitcoin was probably one of the first ones. Um, and kind of like AOL, when something new first comes out, it's it's great. But then when something updated comes, it just demolishes it. So that's where these new cryptocurrencies are. They're user friendly. The platforms, the exchange, the mining—they're very user friendly, and they're uh, you know they're version 3.0 type of thing you know like the like the old iphone versus what we have today yeah this yeah, will the, eat the iphone the first one and spit it out mm -hmm. but um yeah the, it, it's pretty cool you know I, I spend a little bit of money and the machines they they mine tokens oh, oh, oh look at the dogs why is brandon like the the typical perfect dad the american dad over there like what a, yeah that's just what he is. He's like always got his kid in his arms and you know, he's always like dad life. <laughs> dad life. Um, so how do you see Bitcoin or any of these cryptocurrencies? Do you see it that just becoming the mainstream over time? I think the decentralized uh, currency is very disruptive. It's, it's making the um, banks, the scared. centralized system, scared. very scared. There's no way to regulate them. It is volatile. Yeah, anti-fraud, so, right? So the, well, the, the government, our U.S. dollar is basically backed by USA. USA is basically saying, uh, I got you covered. Those papers that you got, those greenbacks, I got you covered. If, if, you know, if it all comes down to it, we'll give you the gold that backs up this money. That's the theory. But um, which we assume we assume they're printing a lot of money these days. Yeah. There's less and less value yeah. to it. And that's been since the 70s. But the decentralized system are is completely you know it's scary for a lot of people because say if you have let's say if i got a thousand bucks if this version of cryptocurrency just gets shut down tomorrow there's no way to go hold anybody accountable and get your money for it so that's the scary part with the decentralized system but there are people who are obviously um, making a lot of money in it and it's very like, so Elon Musk, I can go to Tesla and use cryptocurrency from a uh, wallet, a crypto wallet that I have. And I, if I have, which I don't, <laughs> yeah, I would be able to go buy one of his Teslas uh, or Mark Cuban. He accepts it, owner of the uh, Dallas Mavericks. I can go buy season tickets with cryptocurrency. Really? And uh, with that, one thing about that that's really disruptive is that I don't have to report what I what I gain in cryptocurrency. Crypto, oh, wow. that's the problem they have. This wallet, it's it's untracked, you can't track it. It's not tracked by the IRS, the, the, it's, it's not a normal bank, but you can, there are crypto ATMs out there that are popping up here, like you can go in the Valley, there's places that have, they accept cryptocurrency, the ATM machine. So it's, it's coming out there, it's causing a lot of problems and um doesn't it feel like there's so many things happening at once like technology is advancing so fast and there's so many things to kind of keep track of it's it's difficult right i have to believe in abundance so i have to believe in positive things happening you know because if you watch the news it's all bad 
you know, pretty much. But <laughs> it, it's just like, you know, the, the, the thought with cryptocurrency is that you can unite the world. Right. You know, because you had countries like, let's just throw out, I don't know for sure, but Ethiopia or whatever had this crazy inflation, right? right? Where they were walking around with like a million dollar bill and it, they could barely buy bread with it. Right. Right. Because inflation got out of control. And it's just, if you could have one currency that you can go all around the world, it unites the world. And, you know, something we don't talk about a lot here in America is that, you know, we look at it like we're just so stuck in one area, but other people in the world matter too. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's really weird sometimes how we are with, you know, being egocentric. Yeah. And it's like, it's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. And, and, and that's why it's so appealing to me. It's because it's new. It's a, it's a brand new thing. Uh, not, not cryptocurrency, but just where it's going now. It, you know, I can go save my money in a bank and use a credit card. That's essentially what it is. I'll put out a credit card and that like masters, MasterCard and Visa, that logo, those people that have these cards are the ones who are verifying and authenticating your funds. Basically, that's why I'm able to carry a card and it represents the funds I have. Mm -hmm. how, how, how can you prove that I have any money on the card? Because MasterCard and Visa, they do the verification and authentication that he's got money. I promise you, he's got money. And uh, that's what this system is caught as creating. Are you, are you able to steal? Because I've heard because of blockchain, it's not. Like it's anti-fraud. It's right? anti-fraud. There's no way to actually steal from so, it, correct? So, just, so if you look at it with the same uh, idea, MasterCard, Visa, these people are, are guaranteeing, authenticating the money that we have in the banks, right? To, to, with the card representation. Um, these, the anti-fraud with cryptocurrency is every single, like uh, every single computer is updated several times in a day with the exact authentic, like uh, there's a code that's constantly updated. There's no way to fake it. There's no way to fraud it. And there's no way to also track so it's very anonymous too. So, mm -hmm. and that's why they're, they're, that's why you get like some illegal activity exactly. that's involved. There's, people there are, are shady people that are involved but, in it. But there's illegal activity in cash. There's illegal activity in, in our banks. And I think we need to take a step back. I think um, a lot of people don't understand what it is, right? So a dollar, like we said, is backed up by cash gold reserves in the US. What the fuck is a Bitcoin that you're mining, right? Like, why is that oh, yeah. a resource? Well, we, we should talk about even like, cause that's like, the basic of it. Like yeah. why, what is it? Yeah. So yeah. Like, what is a Bitcoin? So, uh, a Bitcoin, um, what there's a ser there are series of, of, con uh, transactions that are being made mm -hmm. and I'm still learning more about it with the part that I, when I get, I'm gonna be real honest when I got into it, I wanted to know if I invest, uh, money, how, how much, is going to come back to me. I want to know, you know, right. The very bare minimum and, uh, and the, and the investing in the actual coin itself to see, see some gains in that didn't seem appealing to me. I didn't want to do that. Cause again, I don't know where the timeline is. I don't, I don't know where it's at. The value of this coin could be, it could drop tomorrow. What's, I don't know where it's at, but the mining of it sound appealing to me. And that's the part that I know of is that it's constantly, mining transactions between people so you have it, it's it's a concept that you have to do some research anybody who's watching just watch a short video on crypto they explain it way better than i probably could but the mining part became uh appealing to me because i can go 
there's these machines that are like computers. They call them miners, right? They are constantly, it's, it uses a lot of power, a lot of electricity, but it's constantly searching and, and looking through the internet for transactions that are being made with that type of currency. And it's, there's a certain transaction fee, a very small amount, they call those tokens. Mm -hmm. So it's like a very small fraction. So like something like, let's just say, for example, 100,000 tokens equal a thousand bucks us dollar so it's constantly going in and taking somebody bought papa john's with crypto and there's this very small uh token in there that's that's available and through these miners they go and they take those tokens and it's constantly collecting these tokens and eventually like a hundred thousand of those tokens will equal one coin hmm. so that's that's what was appealing to me because um, that coin right now at the beginning is worth very little, like very, very little, little money. And as the, the, uh, the coin becomes more uh, readily available, kind of like the, the Bitcoins and the, the different ones out there, it's going to gain value. The more people who are involved in it, the more people who are and it's already gained value in a very short amount of time to right now, the, the amount of dollars that I'm able to mine are anywhere from 25 to $40 a day. Each machine is mining. Mm. every single day, like no days off. It's constantly mining. So if you got four machines, so that's anywhere from four to $4,400, uh, roughly 30 to 40 days, it's mining. That's what it's mining from these transactions that are happening in the world. And, and, I'm, and I'm learning more about that every day. What's funny is um, maybe, what, three, four years ago when um, this was, I guess it was, it was popular before that, but when it was kind of getting really high, I saw one of the one of the microchip companies that um, a lot of these miners use is, is called AMD and another one's NVIDIA. And I, I just invested in those instead of Bitcoin. And those, <laughs> those skyrocketed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they went one, one went from like eight bucks and now it's like 90 a share. And the other one was like 70 and now it's like 300 or 400. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and I'm with you on, I'm with you on that. I want to know, where these machines are going to be held. I want the, I want that building. I want the building. I want to, I want to charge rent for like, the, I look at it from that perspective, the actual uh, item itself. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm all right. I don't, I don't want that. I'll let other people build that part up. I just want to be the one who owns the ground and charging. I'm going to charge rent. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's good. I think, I think we have to talk about, you know, just because our system is the way it is. There's a lot of things like if people went to the bank right now and, we requested our money and it was over 10%, the banks would close because yeah. they, they only have to hold on them 10% of what is actually deposited. But that's scary, right? You also like the way the banking system works. You're like, man, this is really weird how it is centralized. We don't really know what's in the federal reserve. Mm -hmm. We don't really know. That's actually one of the most weird concepts ever. Like we don't really know how much gold is there. We don't really know it's very secretive and it's a private organization. It's actually not a government organization. So when you start going down this route you start thinking maybe it's something new that we need, you know, maybe it's something innovative that's gonna kind of make things even better. So yeah, it is. And that's what's happening. It's, it's, it is, it's brand yeah. new. It's disruptive to the old system. And that's why Omar is gonna be <laughs> wealthy because <laughs> uh, yeah because crypto <laughs> cryptocurrency man um, hoping, buddy. <laughs> yeah so you omar going back to a little bit about family so you have your seventh child yeah yeah man so can you talk about 
what it's like being a dad to seven kids. Oh, it's uh, it's beautiful. Haven't you seen the movie Cheaper by the Dozen? Right. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. He's almost there. That's like it. Steve Martin. Yep. Yeah, it's that's I mean, it. You guys basically look the same, so <laughs> <laughs> you're funnier. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's really it. It's uh, we have our first batch and second batch. That's what we call them. <laughs> so the first batch, uh, we both uh, were married previously. So um, she has the two girls from her previous, and I have my boy and uh, my daughter from a previous uh, marriage. And then we have these three together, the little ones. So that's four plus three, right? Yeah. And then um, it's it's very easy, and it's a lot of fun because the teenagers we can still relate to teenagers because we still are teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at heart. Yeah, right. at heart we can relate to them. It wasn't too long ago, um, and the way the world is today, we're very it's very we can relate to them. We're not. We're not the difference between our parents and uh, you know and our our age group and our parents is very different from like me and uh, my my teenagers because mm -hmm. we still listen to the same music we you know we have the same similar interests and we have the same language mm -hmm. you're still open minded our slang is still the same with the kids it's like and uh, it's easy to raise because we have teenagers I have almost seventeen year old that watches um, the babies when we need her. Mm -hmm. and um she's big sister slash she's kind of got mommy instincts already in there so it's, it's very easy and the babies uh there's nothing in the world that can compare to maybe a little booger that's like that's one of yours <laughs> you look at them and you're just you get lost you have yeah. so much fun with them and they constantly amaze you yeah well i was telling omar i was like and you're basically the hero when you yeah. know the first half dozen years of their life you know he's still my hero though is that okay like that's all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a single guy with no kids. Everyone else is, you know, repopulating the earth. And I'm like, well, that's good, man. Cause like we need more people to have families that um, really want to have them. You know, like, I don't think you'd ever blame anything on your kids. Have you ever heard that before? Where it was like, oh, I don't work out. You know, I got a family. I'm like, how does your family stop you right. doing okay. pushups? Exactly. Like that's, I'm, I'm like, how does that make any sense? Like, yeah. You know, I'm like, you don't do push-ups with your two-year-old? Like, you know, maybe they'll, right. they'll, they'll laugh with I, you. I line them all up when they get them all together. I line them all up, and we, we I, I'm like drill sergeant. I do them with them, and I'm going to get them. Like, you should see some of the videos I, I have. I'll have them all just lined up, and we're doing, they're crying. And at the end of it, they're feeling great, because I know how, how great you'll feel after a good workout. You just, everything feels good. Mm -hmm. Uh, we get your, you know, we did push-ups this morning and the blood started flowing, right? Yeah. Um, didn't need no cappuccino, you know what I mean? But no. I teach the kids that. Get up, go for a run in the morning. Did you go for a run in the morning? I'll see the kids in the morning sometimes and they look at me like, I'm sorry, I didn't go for my run. I'm like, I didn't even ask you anything. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I didn't, oh my God, I, I didn't wake up. I'm like, why are you explaining? You just woke up. Like, because oh, I didn't go on my run. I'm like, the run go is now. for you, honey. <laughs> and you go now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I like that because I, I can only imagine being, a, I mean, both you guys are dads and husbands, but like, that's got to give you more motivation, right? I would think it would give you more because you have, it's not just you anymore. It's not just for yeah, that's, which is my that's life. That's the big reason I work out is to stay healthy and eat right. And so I'm, I'm always there for the kids, you know? Yeah, I think that's a that's an easy conversation as a provider, right? Is that how you talk to them? Like, like, what's your why? 
You know, is it losing weight to look good in a bikini or is it because you really want to, you don't want to die at 50 or 60 or do the best you can because not everyone can control genetics. Yeah. I mean, you want to see your, your you're going to have, how many grandkids are you going to have, Omar? Uh, infinity is that a number I, yeah well he's got infinity stones on his i got the infinity bracelet <laughs> that's what that is and i'm like man talk about how did it change when you had your first kid my life changed when i had my first kid um after and and all those around me they all because they knew me and and I, I had that first one and he he really did change my life at, at that moment i beca- it no longer became anything about me it didn't matter. And I was 23. It didn't mean any, my life didn't even become secondary. It was like the last thing. Me, I was the last thing. The first thing was him. The second thing was him. And then the third thing was how to make sure that I can make sure one and two work out. Like, what can I do to make one and two work out? So it, it's a no brainer. Like mm-hmm. you don't, you don't sit there and think about how do I provide for this gift that God gave me? And, and I believe that when, when he gives you the, the, best of gift givers, he's not going to just give you a kid, a life. He's going to give you, if you pay attention, he gives you, did you have, Brandon, did you ever have to worry about, or I'm going to get diapers or how I'm going to feed them or how am I going to have childcare? Never. When you have a gift from the best gift, the the king of gift givers, who was the one who gave us a gift of life ourselves, I believe. um, He doesn't just give you the actual the what's inside the box he gives you the box the wrapping the tissue paper the gift card he gives you the whole package you don't have to worry about anything people who are waiting to have families don't wait if that's what you really want it's a beautiful thing in life and you should really take advantage of your youth and experience that because it's not hard having a kid if you're ready for it and you're open for it it's not really hard everything comes with it your family will be involved everybody without you asking whether you're a millionaire or on, on, on welfare. It doesn't matter. If you are looking for it, it's there. Everything you need, you have already. Man. So, cause when I grew up, I was always like, I, I heard a lot of parents that were stressed, you know, they blame it on the kids. And like, I would be like, man, it sounds like a lot of work and doesn't seem good. But then I see someone like you that like, all it did was add to your life. And I think Brandon would agree. I mean, all it's yeah. done is add to your life and you can't, you can't get a dog and get the same thing. Like animals are good, but it's just not the same. I, no. you know, me, I don't really know. I don't have a kid yet. I would like to have one. Um, my nephew is how f- five years ago, my nephew was born. And once I held him for the first time, I was like, man, it would be really cool to have a kid. <laughs> yeah. Like I did not know until I was like 27, basically. Cause before that I just thought stress and no sleep and all this. I was like, why did, why do parents have kids? Well, They're always I, tired. I wasn't certain that I even wanted them until I met Lauren to tell you the truth. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I met her at, 28 29 so it's it's yeah i mean it it's total life changer though it's awesome yeah so i think that's that's so productive in a time where like i don't know it just it just opens the perception you know it changes things i was like well if they you know just like labor right labor can't be that bad or you wouldn't have more you know that's just how i look at it i'm like well it's got to be good enough to have if you have seven you know like and after they hold the baby they forget everything they forget they forget right it was all worth it and just like when you raise a kid and you get to see them be successful i think seeing them be successful adults has got to be probably the most rewarding thing those milestones are nothing like any anything that i experienced as an adult or in my life nothing the first time i dunked a basketball I couldn't sleep for a week after that. I was so geeked on it. I was like, oh my God. I was like geeked out. I couldn't sleep. I was at the gym every day. I'm like, oh my God, I got to keep doing this. I was hooked on it. But 
just watching the, your your son or your daughter take their first step or saying papa or just some weird like just little things or like my daughter she's uh two two and a half and my son's one and a half the little ones and so she's like teaching uh him things and like no she came no and stop it i'm like i watch her and it's just it gets me cheesing and i'm just like this is so so awesome you know? yeah like yesterday izzy helped teach ellie how to say apple and a so she, yeah. apple so like she was just freaking out with excitement how, when when ellie actually repeated what she said and so it was pretty cool so cool so cool yeah, and that's one of the main reasons we had you on, man. We just need to have these conversations. We need to have this hope. Like, I'm so happy for people. Like, there's a lot of COVID babies right now. Have you noticed? That's like yeah. all COVID babies. Like, there's all these babies that are coming out that are going to provide positivity to the world, I think. Like, it just uplifts the family. Like, our nephew was the first grandbaby in the family, and it just brought everyone up. Yeah. You know, a lot of my friends are pregnant. Like, a lot of people I, you know, have known for a long time. And, like, it's everyone's really excited. If it was up to me, I would name uh, this this baby, this Corona baby. I would name her Coco. Oh my God, <laughs> Coco! <laughs> oh man, I had a Rottweiler named Coco. It was the best dog ever. But um, yeah, man. Well, we have been talking for like an hour, or hour or more. Is there what else would you like to to kind of tell our audience, man? Uh, all, all I'd like to say, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, it's been an honor. I love you guys. I really do. I can't say that enough. Um, just when you see people, um, I just understand that life is not all that bad. And there are a lot more good people in this world than there are bad. A lot more. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you can't even compare. A few bad apples do ruin the bunch and the perception for people. But don't forget who you are. Don't forget who we are. We, we started from a little, very small, microscopic organism and to become who we are. We have this brain, we have this compassion and heart, we have the capacity to touch people uh, in many ways. So use what you have for good. Be a beacon of hope for people. Be a friend, lend, it, lend, it, lend your hand out to help some, somebody out. Um, take, you don't have to give money to be charitable. You can smile, you can tell a joke, you know, you can call somebody one per if you go into your phone once it, like go through all the people you know every day find one person in your phone book that you haven't talked to every day one person shoot them a text and just say just thinking about you i hope you're having a great day and it's piece by piece we can definitely make the world a little bit better i think yeah i mean i can't be better said than that i don't know what else i can add um brand is there anything else you can add to that everyone be cool to everyone that's it. Be nice, man. Be nice. You know, that, that's it. So, um, and our shirts should be out by the time this is good. Cause we're finally ready. And some of that is finally going to St. Jude's children's research, which is amazing that this podcast is starting to, uh, come to fruition with giving back as you can see with the, the mugs and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I just, we'll be signing off here. And thanks again for coming on the great Omar husband, father, Did we man that can dunk the great Omar or Omar the great. Oh, Omar the great. Omar yeah, great. sorry. Omar, Omar the great. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's fitting. I think that makes way more sense. So, all right, guys, we'll be signing off. Thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another can't miss episode of Just a Couple Dudes or Jacked podcast. We're new on Twitter, so please give us a follow at, at @jakdpod. On Instagram, you can follow us at jakd underscore podcast, and we have a new YouTube channel set up at Just a Couple Dudes, and that's couple with a K. 
We also have a website, jakdpod.com, with a new store set up where you can check out our merch and other fun items that we're going to be putting up. So please give us a follow, check out our website, and tune in for the next podcast that we'll be releasing shortly. Thanks. Mm-hmm.